Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sherlock. Sure listen, the podcast that takes a pop at culture. Sherlock, sure listen. Sherlock, sure listen. Sherlock, sure listen. Sherlock, sure listen. Sherlock. Sure listen. Sherlock, sure listen. Sherlock, sure listen. Oh, very exciting, Benjamin. We are back two and a half weeks to the day since you were called a Brit on the internet. But sure, look, we don't have time to get into whether or not you're a Brit because we've loads of stuff to look at, including mostly trailers, in fact. We've had a trailer for Orphan Black 2, Orphan's Back, baby. And we've had a trailer for... That's the best joke I have this week. (laughs) I've been working on that all day. Um... We also have a trailer for Captain America 4 Civil War with uh, with Mary Jane Watson. And we had a trailer for Mom, Can We Have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 4? No, son, we have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 4 at home. And Boy Kills World, which I haven't written a joke about. Sure, listen, Michael, if that wasn't enough, and it it's really not, isn't. Not <laughs> enough, been, Ben. Can't do a podcast on that. It's been a sparse week, Michael. It's been a sparse week. But if that wasn't enough, Michael, we're taking a look at the classic 1996 90s extravaganza that is Twister. Twister. Very good. Very exciting. The Jan de Bont classic Twister, Benjamin. Benjamin, before we get into any of that, the Screen Actors Guild Awards were on this week. They were. And the Spirit Awards, Michael. It's been, a, the, it's been a week of awards. It's awards season, baby. It very much is, Benjamin. Now, I mm. was under the impression that the Screen Actors Guild Awards for 2024 would be given out to the people who did the least work. What with their strike and all. Yes, because who's done any work? No one, because they were on strike and all. But rather than that, they've just given the awards to all the same people again. Yeah, everybody everybody gets them again. That's <laughs> that's generally the rule, Michael. Uh, what we're seeing pan out, Michael, ac- across the board, um, really, is just the same list of winners over yeah. and over and over and over and over and over. Oppenheimer smashed it across the board again, Michael. Yep, yep, nonstop. Uh, Killian was up there. Great. Probably the Irish now. representation on screen. He's doing great. Um, I'm fairly certain the SAG After Guild Awards, or the SAG After Awards just took a look. No, it's not after. It's just the Screen Actors Guild Awards. It's just the SAG Awards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they're saggy, saggy statues. Michael, looking at the award that's given by the SAG lads, yeah. it does seem that they base their entire winner's list on the BAFTAs. So they watch that the week before and go, oh, that's good. That's good. We'll do that too. That's good. We don't save time and energy on doing a vote or watching any of these films or TV shows. Just what did the BAFTAs do? We'll do that. We'll do that. And then second to that, Michael, they took a look at the Oscars and said, oh, yeah, Little Man would be good. But you know what? The, the Little Man doesn't need to be gold because that's expensive. Gold is very expensive. Let's make him not gold and saggy. And saggy in all the wrong places. Let's let's be very anatomically correct in certain areas. Let's give him a nose, some defined cheekbones, some hair. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you need hair in Hollywood. Unless you're Jason Statham. But don't give him... Unless you're Jason Statham, but don't give him any eyeballs, Michael, or a mouth. No, 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 they're overrated because then he could see and speak. Ben. Now, Michael, Michael, of course, there's a little bit of symbolism thrown in with that statue as well. Go on. Because he's holding a comedy mask and a tragedy mask, Michael. Oh, the symbols of acting. But the most important part, Michael, is he's definitely male because he has a male hairline. Oh, the (laughs) comedy and tragedy of acting. (laughs) Of men. Um, Very strange, Michael. Very strange. But we did see pretty much the same categories shake out, Michael. Devine Joy Randolph uh, won Best Female Supporting Actress again. Um, Barbara Streisand received a Lifetime Achievement Award. Good honour. Good honour. Benjamin, Jason Sudeikis must be thinking that Jeremy Allen White can Jason Sudeikis kiss my ass. Yes, I'd say that was probably quite annoying for old Jason Sudeikis. Especially because The Bear is not a sitcom. It's not a sitcom. Why does it keep getting put in those categories? Bang it in the sitcom category because it's short. <laughs> it's short, so it's not real cinema. Poor old Tad- Ted Lasso. Legitimately the best sitcom. Yes. But it's getting <laughs> absolutely walloped by not a sitcom. Ted Lasso is, by and far, one of the best short-form comedy TV shows to come out in the last 10 years. And it's getting whooped by being put up against a dramatic titan of multicultural diversity and real-life experience that is The Bear. 
Yeah, but the bear's short, you see, so that's fine. <laughs> yeah, and you know what they say, Michael, if it's short, bang it in the sitcom category. <laughs> yeah, if it's short, it's fu- it better be funny. That's what they yeah. say, both about men and about TV. Ben. Yeah. Look, we've no time to make a fun of short people because we have to look at the trailer for Orphan Black. Orphan Black, Volume 2, Orphan's Back, baby. Legitimately, Michael, it is a toss-up this week between your Orphan's Back joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your We've Got Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 4 at Home joke. Yeah, I, now, I, I think I stole that from Nine Wassies on the Discord, so I'm not, I can't take too much credit for that. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like your joke stolen... Yeah. on the Discord. All you yeah. have to do is go down below and click on the link in the description to join our absolutely free Discord until we put it behind a paywall one day. But right now, it's free. <laughs> We're not gonna right put, now, it's free. We're not going to put it behind a paywall. Benjamin's getting ideas slightly above his station, ladies and gentlemen. Don't worry Michael, about it. Anyway, I'm creating Benjamin. a scarcity mindset in the listeners. Oh, very good. Very manipulative. I yes. I see you're still paying for Andrew Tate's Discord. Michael... It's a very reasonable price for what you get. He sends you tweets from his prison cell, Michael. Is he in prison? I didn't know he was. Benjamin. No, he's under house arrest, Michael. Oh, very good. Dr. Gregory House has him under arrest. But ben- his, his Discord informs me that he'll be out soon. He keeps okay. saying that. <laughs> good, good. Very good. Ben, Orphan Black is back. But this time it's Kristen Ritter. This time it's Kristen Ritter. So, Michael, apparently this started airing in 2023. We're only getting trailers for it now. What? Which, uh, yeah, so it's a Canadian TV series, and it is a sequel to the original Orphan Black series. Um, and the original Orphan Black series has a special place in your heart, Michael, I believe? Uh, I wouldn't say a special place. Uh, I suppose you could say... What could you say, Benjamin? I suppose you could say, I've seen it. Right, okay, well, that's fair enough. Um, Orphan Black kind of developed a, a weird cult following, uh, Michael, on the internet. A lot of people seem to enjoy it. Um, and the... the, the the fandom or the standom as it were call themselves the clone club michael which should give you a little idea of what it is but the original series started uh, starred she hulk herself tatiana maslany yes it did and yes, it did and tatiana maslany and tatiana maslany and she was pretty popular uh michael it went very very well and it's all about different clones doing different things yes but this time it's and- Kristen ritter this time it's Kristen Ritter. Yeah. So I don't know if we're going to get the same chameleon-like acting presence that Tatiana Maslany gave us in the original, because she played loads of different characters in that one. Mm. I don't know if Kristen Ritter can do that, Benjamin. This is easily the worst trailer I've ever seen. Oh, very confusing. Not helpful at all. <laughs> Just a very upsetting trailer. It's too long and focuses on one scene, which is mostly Kristen Ritter looking at a pink 3D-printed human. Now, it does say that it's an official clip, Michael. Oh, however, it's not a trailer, it's just a clip. I see. That makes much more sense then. However. What? However. What? It's still a very disjointed clip. Yes, it is. It's three bits of it's clips. Fucking, it's three bits of clips. Um, Hollywood's new marketing technique, three bits of clips. Three bits of clips. Welcome to our new podcast, Three Bits of Clips. Yeah. Ben. Um, it, yeah. yeah, go on, sorry. In, I'm just saying, in the style of a classic Ghostbusters 2, Michael, there's pink goo, nefarious pink goo everywhere. Mm. Basically, what she's done mm. there, Ben, is she's turned off a 3D printer before it was ready. Yeah, you shouldn't do that. So this is basically a show about how terrifying the technology of 3D printing is, and what if you could 3D print humans? And if you could, yes. would they look like Kristen Ritter? And I think the answer is yes, probably. Yes, probably, Michael. Now, this, Michael, interestingly, is set in the year 2052. That's quite a bit in the future. That's a good way away now, Michael. Not far away enough for my liking, but, you know, a good way away we now. We might still be knocking and around, Ben. We'll still be doing this podcast, Michael, <laughs> undoubtedly, from our seniors' home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, Michael, yeah. or listeners, more importantly, what? don't worry. Michael will still have a tight V going on. A consummate V. By that stage. A consummate V. For those of you that don't know, contrary to what you might believe about us as podcast hosts, Michael's actually in very good shape for a nerd podcaster. Look at that V, Ben. Look at that Look tapered at V. Look at it. Look at it, Ben. Silly. Look at the tapered V. Si- He's like a member of the alphabet. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Which, which member, though? Oh. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I think I firmly take up the O category, Michael. But oh, you, you take up the V category. Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoy this kind of men-supporting men atmosphere mm-hmm. without misogyny and sex trafficking allegations, join us and give us a review wherever you listen. We're not Andrew Tate. We're a wholesome alternative where you'll still get male support and a hairline in certain cases. Benjamin, I'm not entirely sure you can make the claim that it's completely without misogyny. 
Oh no, I can't make that claim, but it's certainly less than Andrew Tate has. Yeah, 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 that's for sure. We've made several comments about Kristen Ritter looking like a 3D printed human. Anyway, Ben, this isn't super exciting as a, <laughs> as a clip. Because no. I- <laughs> it's, she's, a, she's a robot person who doesn't know where she's come from and she's been 3D printed and she's going to run off and try and discover it. Michael, we've seen that before with Ivan Rachel Wood. It's called Westworld. It's called Westworld, for example. Ivan. Is it not Ivan? Is that how she pronounces it? I, I don't know. I always thought it, it was could be Evan. Yvonne. I always thought it was just Evan. Evan, Evan. No, I think it's Evan. I think it's Evan. Is it? Is it really? Yeah, yeah. Did she say Evan? But it's Evan, obviously. It's E V. It's Evan, obviously. Evan. Yeah, yeah. It's Evan. Evan. But I think she says Evan. Ladies and gentlemen, what do you think? Is it Evan or Evan? <laughs> Get in touch with us. Yeah. Or um, you know, if, if the lady herself is listening for whatever reason, just uh, shoot us a voice message. Hop up on the Discord. Hop up on the Discord or leave us a review wherever you listen. It really does help the podcast to get out to more people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Benjamin. Yeah. Before the podcast completely tears itself apart, why oh, are we nice. looking at a trailer for the Captain America movie Civil War, which came out five years ago? No, Michael, what's happened is they developed technology that can see into the future about six months. Oh, yeah. Um, and this is actually what happens after the 2024 US elections. Oh, um, <clears throat> now, I have So a, it's actually a docu-series. I have an issue with that, Ben. Go on. So we're talking about the 2024 docu-series Civil War. Starring <laughs> yeah, the, the Kristen... New... What's her name? Kirsten... Uh, Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst, that's it. MJ from Spider-Man. Yeah. MJ from Spider-Man. And Benjamin, here's my issue with it. It seems like California and Texas have seceded from the Union. Seceded? Yeah, from the seceded. Seceded from the Union together. And to my yeah. mind, Ben, as an outside observer on American politics and pop culture sometimes... That seems like a bit of an unlikely pairing. Stretch. A little bit of a stretch there. Now, they're the, they're two of the biggest, and they're in close proximity to each other, so I suppose it makes sense from that perspective. But very politically different is my understanding of American politics. Ah, well, now, Michael, perhaps that's the that's the, perhaps that's the insightful commentary being made. Is it that you know there's a lot of rich people in old California, eh, Michael? And I wonder, is it that different when we break it down on policies on border control? Uh, yes, I would say so. Would and not, immigration. Would I, I, is that what this is about? I think I think it's a little bit about that. I think, look, it's from Alex Garland, Michael. Um, and Alex Garland has made some weird fucking movies. Is this the guy who made um, Monsters? Uh, it is not the guy who's made Monsters. It's the guy who made Ex Machina. Oh, yeah. Which is terrifying. Yeah, yeah. It's the guy who made Annihilation. Also terrifying. Sorry, how can you pronounce that? Annihilation? Annihilation, do you mean? Oh, sorry, annihilation. Yes. Um, yes, absolutely, Michael. He also made Dread, which we love. Dread, the one with Judge Dread in it. Yeah, oh, Dread with Carl good, Urban. Isn't he? He's, he's the writer, good director. He's the writer for Dread. Yeah, you know, no, he's the writer for Dread. Mm. Um, so Alex, Gar- Alex Garland. Sorry, I should clarify some of these. Ex Machina was written by Alex Garland. Annihilation was written for the screen by Alex Garden. Um, he's a writer, Michael. He's not a director. Sorry, that's my mistake. But it's, it comes to us from him. Okay. And uh, he also wrote 28 Days Later. Oh, that's a very good one. That's a very good one, Michael. A lot of them are very good. And then, very controversially, Michael, wrote The Beach with Leonardo DiCaprio. That was his first Hollywood writing gig. You know what, though? Yes. Not my cup of tea, but it's not rubbish. It's not rubbish, Michael. It's, it, it establishes the theme of Alex Garland's career, which is, Jesus, people are awful when you separate them from each other and give them a chance to devour themselves from the inside. Oh, I thought Annihilation was about, look at this scary alien thing. No, but Annihilation is really taking a look at what happens when incompatible personalities are separated from the rest of humanity and forced to thrive by themselves, and then we see what really happens. I I feel in some cases, Michael, that Alex Garland read William Golding's Lord of the Flies very, very young and went, oh, this is great, I'll just do this. Yeah, give me that conch. Give me that conch, you piggy little fuck. Um, And uh, just went from there. Um, Maybe Ben is a British private school boy after all. So so Alex Garland is uh, an English novelist, screenwriter, film producer and director. So, I mean, that influence is probably there. He may be the product of a little too much in-depth analysis of William Golding's Lord of the Flies. Benjamin, he's, he's English, so maybe he doesn't know that California and Texas aren't that similar. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe he doesn't know. Maybe he's just, he's like, why don't I write a really grand stretching thing that really has some heavy implications for the state of the US? Yeah. I suppose, go on. No, that's it. That's all I was saying. You go ahead. 
I think you're probably right. I suppose in some ways, Michael, it is definitely an outsider's perspective on American politics where the rest of us watch as Donald Trump, for some reason, is back in the, the presidential race. Nothing has happened to that man despite being indicted, brought to trial, charged with various crimes. He's still running. Yeah, <laughs> He's yeah. still going. Well, Benjamin, I think I think that's a symptom more than uh, the, the disease because I think the bigger question is, no, this is not an American politics podcast, but almost half of Americans like him. Yeah, it's bizarre. It's bizarre, Michael. So I think for us, when we watch that, Michael, we do all kind of say, ah, oh, look at that. They're, they're, they're tearing each other apart. Now, for those of us in the know, Michael, we know that all American politicians are pretty shite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rubbish. Absolute warmongers. Yeah. American imperialism. No fucking good. Oh. Capitalist bootlicking all the way up and down. Put them in the bin. Put them all in the bin. But, Michael, I suppose if you were looking at it from another point of view and you wanted a nice, clean division, you'd say, oh, the Liberals, the good guys, and then the Conservatives, the bad guys. Now, you can't actually say that, Michael. But <laughs> Ben has backtracked but, there because he saw my face. I saw his face. <laughs> and he knew he was about to get it. He turned He turned from a V, ladies and gentlemen, to a very worried W. A very a W across that a Very face. aggressive say, W. Oh, my goodness. Um, you can't say that, Michael. You can, as long as you have a co-host to rein you back in firmly by around the neck. Um, Michael did the podcast equivalent there of lassoing me yeah. from a herd of cattle. No, no, being like, I, Whoa. I did the podcast equivalent of getting that sheep's crook thing and just pulling you off the stage. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, I mean, anyway, in this show, you reckon the libs are the goodies, are they? I don't think anyone's going to end up being a goodie, Michael. I think there's a lot of debate there on what would actually happen in a modern civil war. I think there's a line that comes from Wagner Moura, who we last saw in Meet the Smiths. Oh, yeah. Or Wagner Moura. I'm not sure how it's said. Meet the Smiths? Or not Meet the Smiths. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. (laughs) Meet the Smiths. Meet the Smiths was the asylum equivalent. Yes. Um... And yeah, I, I, he says a line like, they're trying to kill us, we're trying to kill them. That's, That's all you need the to long know. and tall of it. That's all you need to know. Which isn't all you need to know in a civil war, Michael. It's quite a complex issue when those things break yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's, it is all you need to know, Ben, when you're in the field and someone's trying to kill you. Yeah, kill or be killed, baby! Brought to you by two Irishmen who have no experience of uh, military Our conflict. granddads did, probably. Our, our granddads probably did. There's a genetic inheritance in there somewhere, ladies and gentlemen. Some kind of generational trauma yeah, yeah. fueling those we comments. We already did this. It looks, it looks very well made, Michael. It does. It does. It looks uh, it does. lush. And at the risk of condemning the entire A24 cinematic empire, if A24 slaps its name on it, it's probably all right. Look, we would have said that about Marvel five years ago, Ben. Oh, we would have, Michael. We're waiting. We're we're awaiting the inevitable downfall of A twenty four. I suppose it is, as with everything, Ben, inevitable. Speaking of slickly made combat fueled rage machine movies, yes, go on. Um, you made your king joke of the year, I'd imagine in uh, in your well, you stole it from nine. I did. I stole it from Discord. the Discord, Ben, but it's our Discord, so I think that's allowed. I think we have in our terms and conditions that anything said on the Discord can actually be used by us in perpetuity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and we receive all royalties. Yeah, we get full IP on everything. Mm. Um, it's mm, great. Mm, mm. It's great. So if you want your ideas stolen, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> hop up in the Discord. <laughs> hop up in the Discord. Um, no, Nine Mossies, thank you very much for that joke. But second of all, thank you very much, Mick. You put it in a very funny you, way. Look, Come here to me. We've got a fucking mad trailer for Borderlands, and I only have one question from this trailer, Michael. Go on. What the fuck is Kate Blanchett doing in this film? It's mad, isn't it? So Kate Blanchett plays Star Lord. Yeah, she's Star Lord, essentially. She's Star Lord. And yeah. she's she's on this planet and it's a crappy planet and it's Guardians of the Galaxy. It's Guardians of the Galaxy at home. It's gar- it's wish.com Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, very strange, Michael. Um so it has it has a who's who, Michael, of Hollywood A listers. Kevin Hart is there. Hollywood B-lister Kevin Hart. Go on. I, uh, 
alright fair enough I'll, I'll give you that Jamie Lee Curtis is there Michael Hollywood A-lister Jamie Lee Curtis Jamie Lee Curtis is the most out of place person in this trailer I don't she understand appears- why she's there Michael <laughs> it's very strange it's very strange <laughs> it's great though um, Jamie Lee Curtis seems to be having a great renaissance as paying a confused middle aged woman who's involved in escapades yeah in whatever she fancies I suppose yeah. you can't beat it Fucking weird, man. Jack Black is the little robot. Well, anytime you need someone to do a skippity bop boop little funny voiced man, you just get Jack Black. Who just does his normal voice then. But luckily, he's a bit of a likeable Chris Pratt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's much yeah. more likeable than Crispy Rat. Anything is, really. Um, but look, it's very interesting, Michael. It's based on the Borderlands game franchise. Now you tell me what that is. So the the Borderlands game franchise, Michael, is a is a very popular, well, or was a very popular. It's very hard to know. It was a very popular game franchise. Um, it was a first person video game shooter, and it's got a space westerns kind of sci fi thing. It's a bit like Firefly if Firefly did a lot of acid. Yeah, yeah, Fireflies of the Galaxy. Yeah, so, um, you know, Firefly, yeah. It was first released in 2009, and the last release we got for it was in 2022. That was New Tales from the Borderlands. And it's had a few. This seems to be based on characters from Borderlands 3? Okay, go on. I don't I don't know if that necessarily matters to the old Borderlands fans. But I, Yeah, but I'm willing to be corrected on that. I think it's, it's pretty normal to do. Um to take from all of the franchise and just pick some fan favourites and throw them together. But the, the little yellow robot is quite essential, Michael. He's he's Claptrap. That's the name of the character. Go on. And in some versions of the game, he's a playable character, but most of the time he's the guiding NPC. He presents the player with a quest that they have to complete. And the quest is to find a vault, Michael, full of resources that the hyper-capitalist society are all hunting for. So what happens is that everyone is looking for this super vault that'll make them all super rich. So it's essentially a gold rush in, in space westerndom. Mm. And uh, yeah, you're one of the many, many fortune hunters on a planet. Great setup hunting for a Guardians these things the esque heist film. Yeah, it'd be a great setup for that, Michael. Probably why they did it. <laughs> it it's just bizarre, though. It's Eli Roth is behind this, Ben. Eli Roth. There's a name I hoped I would never hear again. What has he done to you? I I just hated Hostel that much. <laughs> um, I think Hostel is one of the most disgusting, abysmal things to ever be committed to film. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? All those people uh, get tortured and killed. Oh, it's vile, Michael. I really think Eli Roth should probably be locked up at some point. No, I don't. Or at the very least, I don't think people tested. should be locked up for art bed. No, I do. I, I think we should be locked up at some point as well. Oh, that's um, a fucking leap now to consider this fucking art, but go on. Well, I didn't say it was good art. <laughs> um, you, can, you can get locked up for shit art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's absolutely fine. But anyway, anyway, anyway. Yes, go on. Eli Roth is in this, and I want no, he's to not know... in it, Ben. He's made it. Uh, sorry, he's made this, but I want to know, what's he got on Cape Blanchett? Look, I think Cape Blanchett is... All actors, Ben, all serious actors go through this phase of going, I've done my dues down the serious acting salt mines. Yeah. I've been at the coal face of crying on command and wuthering touches with British people for as long as I can possibly imagine. And now I love wuthering touches. Yeah, no, it's great. And now I'm of a certain age and I have kids of a certain age and I want to be in what whatever's the more poppy thing of the moment. And she thinks this is it? Well, she's been... Blan- <laughs> I nearly mispronounced branching out as blanching out and then realised that's kind of her name. So that's an, that's an accidental joke of the week. She'd been nice. blanching out into comic book stuff for the last couple of years. Like it was a, she has. It was a big get when they got her for Thor Ragnarok. They got serious actress Kate Blanchett... Yes. Now, having said that, she was in The Lord of the Rings, and the people who were signing up for that couldn't have known it was going to be a spectacular generational masterpiece. Okay. So, I mean, Kate Blanchett's always been kind of knocking around sci-fi and fantasy. She doesn't seem to have an issue with it. Yeah. 
So yeah. no, I think so. I, I, anything, anything could happen. It could be good. I I don't know much about Borderlands Ben other than it's the origin of the looter shooter genre, essentially. Yeah, essentially, she plays a, a consistent character from all three editions of the game. Michael called Lilith. Okay, go on. Um, Lilith is a uh, one of the Vault Hunters. Oh yeah. And she's a consistent character that pops up throughout. She's known as Firehawk in the game, and she's got psionic powers. Oh. So we'll probably see a little bit of that as we go along. Unless they change it quite a bit. They might they might do that. I don't know. But she's a very consistent character, Michael, and she pops up a lot. Um, Kevin Hart is playing a character called Roland. Oh, yeah, old Rolds, yeah. Uh, and it's really funny. Eli Roth has come out and said, you know, Kevin Hart really wanted to play against type. He didn't want to be the goofy sidekick. He did weapons training and fight training and is so hardcore about making people believe he really is a trained soldier. To which I would say, Eli, why did you undo all his effort then by making him look like that in the trailer? <laughs> he looks like a little man cosplaying as a soldier. He looks like Kevin Hart pretending to be a soldier. But what? that's literally what's going on, Ben. That's the problem there, I think. I, I, yeah, I think the problem to anyone trying to be taken seriously as a soldier in a movie is you can't be taken seriously as a soldier in a movie because you're pretending to be a soldier. Yeah, yeah. Well, except most of the cast of uh, Saving Private Ryan. Yes, Saving the Privates of Ryan. Um, oh, no, sorry, that was a, a very different film. But um, that, was one, uh, <clears throat> that was the one you sent me on Dropbox. I did, look, can we not talk about the Dropbox thing, Michael, on just... Bring it up later, after the podcast. I thought this episode was sponsored by Dropbox, and you said get in some sort of reference to it. Ladies and gentlemen, do you want to awkwardly send the wrong link to your co-workers as you podcast? (laughs) Uh, No, we are not sponsored by Dropbox. If we were, I'd do a bit, but we're not. So give us some money, Dropbox, and we'll do it. Yeah, they said no. They said no, because all of the the ad copy we sent them was about porn. (laughs) What are we talking about? All right, that was us, Michael, yeah. Boy Kills World looks good though, doesn't it? Uh, oh, Michael, from from one psychotically fueled kind of sh- cinema schlockfest to something that looks like it understands genre bending a little bit better. Boy Kills World starring Bill Skarsgård. Bill Skarsgård, Ben, ripped as shit. Ripped as shit. More ripped than Michael the V. Leonard. <laughs> More even more even ripped than that, Benjamin. As ripped as his older and taller brother Alexander Skarsgård. Big, big, tanky Skarsgårds, a lot of them. They get in shape very well for movies, don't they? Don't they, Benjamin? It must be that Swedish dehydration. They must be in the sauna getting every last drop of moisture out of them. Just coming out shredded. Just coming out um. absolutely shredded. <laughs> it's a combination of sauna and meatballs, apparently. <laughs> anyway, Michael, this is what? fucking mental. Yes, so Bill, Billy Skarsgård, plays... Billy Scars Plays a deaf and mute assassin. Now, we've seen that before, and it was rubbish. Yeah, it was really bad. It was his... It was his... Oh, no, it was Joel Kinnaman who was, was in that. Joel Kinnaman, the, the poor man's... Um, the cor- poor man's Skarsgård. Um, the poor man's Skarsgård. What, that was... What was that called? Mute? It was, I think it was called Mute. It was on Netflix and it was Duncan Jones. Your man who did Moon, Duncan Jones. Thank you very much. Uh, It was Duncan Jones. That was very bad, Michael. Yeah, rubbish. So this seems to be the very same concept of that, of deaf and mute assassin looking for revenge. Yeah. But turned up to the max in terms of fun and insanity. Yes, they understand how silly that premise is and rather than treat it seriously... With Paul Rudd in a porn stash, they've gone, oh, let's make it a bit silly and we'll we'll have a bit of fun with it. But Benjamin, I think the real interesting thing about this trailer is the conceit that he has given himself an in- interior monologue. Is that what it's called? Yeah, uh, an inner monologue. He's given himself an inner, an monologue. inner monologue with yeah. the voice of Archer himself, H. John Benjamin. Yeah, H. John Benjamin is there. The voice of Bob from Bob's Burgers or Robert Hamburgers, as is famously known on this podcast, Michael. Um, and uh, Archer, uh, who has... <laughs> That's a deep cut, ladies and gentlemen. Is that, did we uh, say that? Did we call it Robert's yeah, Hamburgers? Yeah, That's we funny. did. Once upon a time, we called it Robert's Hamburgers. On this. That is a deep cut on this Ooh. podcast, ladies and gentlemen. But um, I like that that got Mick. I That's, didn't expect uh, that, ladies and gentlemen. I, I recognise that might be my own joke repeated back to me. But there, I, I think it is. I just find, Ben, I just let's not talk about the movie for a second. I find the <laughs> genre... Of 
taking short words and making them longer in a nonsensical way. I, I think that's my favourite genre of uh, stupid things to waste time on a podcast doing. It's a comedic staple of yours, Michael. It's one of your favourites. It is one of my favourites, Benjamin. Can I tell you a story about World of Warcraft? You can, yeah, go on. <laughs> I played World of Warcraft, Benjamin. I was in a guild for a very long time and there was a player who's a good friend of mine. His, his character's name was Superbon. Oh, yeah. And one day I interrupted a 40-man raid to explain that Superbon was in fact short for Superior Bonathon. <laughs> I think, to this day, it's the funniest thing I've ever said. I've uh, Interrupting any 40-man endeavour, Michael, for a jaunty extension is, <laughs> is pretty good. Anyway, the voice of Robert Hamburgers, H. John Benjamin. Yeah, so he's there and he's, he's, he's doing this, Michael, and uh, yeah, I mean... I love H. John Benjamin. I think he has superior comic timing. I think he understands subtle intonation of voice like very few voice actors working. He's phenomenal. And I think it's a very funny conceit. I also think it's hilarious that he took it from a video game because he was emotionally stunted by a traumatic event from a young age. What's that supposed to mean? Because I like video games. Is that what you're suggesting? No, no. No, not you. Not you. Billy Skarsgård. Billy Skarsgård. Ben. It's yes. one of the greatest shames of all time that H. Bond John Benjamin doesn't look like Archer. I don't think it is. I think it's all the better because H. John Benjamin doesn't look like Archer. I would love if H. John Benjamin just looked like John Hamm and we could get a, an Archer live action movie. That would be fun. Fin- I, I will settle for a dubbed <laughs> John Hamm. Just dub everyone. In an Archer live action. Just dub everyone, man. Just do it. But this looks to be... it. It's straight out of the John Wick playbook. It's someone's done something bad. revenge fueled. Uh, there's family members to be taken out. You have to work your way up the pipeline. It's, it's a typical video game setup, Michael. You know, you've got your bosses until you meet the big boss, who's played by Famke Janssen. And it's got a massive cast. It's got Famke Janssen. It's got Famke Janssen. It's got Bill Skarsgård. It's got H. John Benjamin. It's got bloody uh, Cameron Crovetti, who we saw as last saw on this podcast in The Boys. He's the young Bill Skarsgård who gets traumatized. Oh, is he the the kid in The Boys? He's the kid in the boys. He's the Homelander's son. Spoilers for a series that came out a couple, a couple of years, years ago. ago. It's got Charlotte Copley, your favourite South African. It's got Charlotte Copley in it. He's there, Michael. It's got everybody's favourite uh, action actor, Yayan Ruan. Oh, yeah. He'll kick you in the head as soon as look at you. He'll kick you in the head as soon as look at you. He'll do it for sport, Michael, for a bit of crack. Um, yeah, it's great. Michelle Dockery's there. Who's in bloody downtown Abbey. She was in Downtown Abbey. Um, again, one of the weird links you sent me on Dropbox. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, <clears throat> it's great. It, it looks mental, Michael. I don't know if this... I don't know if we can sit here comfortably and say that it's going to be yeah. good, but it'll be fun. I love the idea of Downtown Abbey, Benjamin. It's like, she's a, her name's Abby and she's a prostitute <laughs> working downtown. <laughs> of course, we would this, call this it. This podcast is getting smuttier and smuttier, and I'm not sure I'm okay. We would it. call it Financial District Abigail, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, right, come here to me. Yeah. Come here to me. I don't know if this is going to be any good, but it looks mental, and I'll give it a watch. Michael. I imagine it's going to be something that I end up sitting down one day when I'm eating a sandwich or something on a Saturday afternoon with nothing else to do and it'll have come on Netflix and I'll be like, oh, Grant. Okay. Very good. Sure, look. (laughs) Give that a watch. Give it a watch, won't we, Benjamin? We're at risk of having a severely shortened episode this week because not a lot going on. Has anything anything happened while we've been recording, Ben? (laughs) This is the worst podcasting ever. Has anything happened? Surely something has happened. Let's Let's just check with our sources to see if anything has happened. Nothing has happened, Michael. Oh, I have a little review for you if you want, Michael. Oh, go on. Yeah. Uh, so this week, apropos of nothing, uh, Michael, I watched the Vince Staples show on Netflix. It's just dropped. I don't know what that is. Um, and I've watched the whole thing. It's a five-episode limited series, Michael. Um, Vince Staples is a pretty popular rapper from Long Beach, California, over in the States. And he, I guess he must have seen Atlanta okay. by Donald Glover and gone, I could do that. Oh, yeah. And he's kind of created his own 
I want to say black absurdist series. That's one of your favorite genres, Benjamin. It is one of my favorite genres. It's it's right up there with the Jordan Peele films. It's right up there with Atlanta by Donald Glover. There's there's a little bit of I guess you'd call it Afro absurdism, Michael. But I think it's a I think it's a misnomer to call it that because I'm sure there's probably an actual African centric absurdist genre. This is a very much a, a black experience of America absurdism. If that makes sense. It does, yeah, yeah. African-American absurdism rather than African African-American absurdism. African-American absurdism, yeah. So it, it's it's a pretty interesting little show. It's five episodes, Michael, and it involves basically Vince Staples, the rapper, going on an odyssey. It, it the, the central setup of each episode is pretty simple. It is a standard act of discrimination against a black man in America. Oh, yeah. So episode one, he's arrested for no good reason. Um, by a police officer and it's set in a prison and it's the trials and tribulations of a prison and a kind of hyper reality as we go along in episode number two Michael he is oh sorry I've frozen myself there no you're fine oh very good Um, in episode number two Michael it's I can't remember the exact order of the episodes, but in another episode, he's taking his... Oh, sorry, he's going to a family cookout, a family reunion cookout um, with his family. In episode number three, he takes his girlfriend and her brothers to a theme park. In episode number four, um, he has to give a... I can't remember exactly... I can't remember episode four. Oh, he has to take out a loan, Michael. Sorry, he has to take out a loan from a bank to start a business and then in episode number five he gives a career talk at his old high school and every those jumping off points are fairly standard experiences where he experiences some form of casual racism that I would imagine a large amount of black men face on a daily basis in the United States oh they should secede from the union they should secede from the union someone should get Vince Staples in touch with Alex Garland get him in touch and, and go from there but then Michael those each one of those episodes acts as kind of a a springboard for absolute insanity um one of the things that this show really really has gone for it is phenomenal pacing excellent action and vince staples himself plays vince staples who is there yeah but, but by his own he plays a very detached sardonic vince staples and it works really 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 well um he makes a great every man protagonist for us to enjoy he plays um vin staples as he sees himself a successful middling rapper on the thing but everyone else hits him up for money or for help in launching their own music career and he has to keep telling them oh I, i'm not rich like that i'm i'm not that successful like i'm not diddy level <laughs> rapper or jay-z level and everyone's like oh come on and it, it's a very interesting look at the United States and racism through a hyperlens. It's a really enjoyable, fun thing to watch. You'll get through it in an afternoon. Um, they're only 20-minute episodes. There's only five of them, which I found really unusual. It's, it is a five-episode limited series, but it's very it's good. It's going to be competing with The Bear for best category in a best film, best TV show in a comedy next year. Fuck her balls that well, up. I, Benjamin! I think... <laughs> okay, come on, sorry. Twister, though! <laughs> yeah it's our regular series exhumed tell the listeners what this is ladies and gentlemen what are the films and tv series that have been forgotten by time some people whisper of it as a classic other people tell you it's a dud well michael and i'll dig it up and have a look and let you know it's exhumed yeah it's exhumed welcome to exhumed this this week we're exhuming benjamin we're exhuming the second highest grossing film of 1996 yeah, and the first ever to be put on DVD. And the first ever, one of the first ever films to be put on DVD. Jam no, the first the, ever. One of the first ever films to be... No, it's the first ever. One of the first ever films to be put on DVD, Benjamin, because you sent me that pirate DVD of uh, Uptown Abbey in 1994. <laughs> oh, you didn't, you were three. I was three. <laughs> you weren't that burning did any not happen. DVDs. Benjamin, did not happen. Um, it's Jan de Bont... Dutch yep. Dutch screen legend Jan de Bont. Short he actually for, is. Yeah, yeah. Short for Janathan Donathan de Bontemon. Um, <laughs> Very good. Uh, it, it, his, not his debut, his second film. And yes. 
can I tell you a thing, Ben? Go on. I watched Twister the other day with my lady friend. Yeah. We, Go sat, on, yeah. we sat on the couch and we had a popcorn and a Coke. Oh, yeah. A, a Coca-Cola, not a bag, as they say in South Dublin these days. Um, oh, good man. Good man. In your Canada Goose jackets yeah, with yeah. your e-scooters charging in the corner. Any bags. And um, <laughs> I had the best time I've had watching a film in fucking months. Michael, I enjoyed the shit out of this I film. I love <laughs> Twister. This yeah. is... This is the most I've enjoyed a film in fucking years. Maybe not years, but I just everything. It's not not everything about it is great, Ben. No, that's one of the rules not. about cinema that not everything about everything can be great, and that's okay. That's okay sometimes, but what a fun and pleasant and thrilling and exciting ninety minutes or so. Of Jan de Bont-based madness. Yeah, insane, Michael. So, to give people an idea of how Jan de Bont got this film, his previous film, as Michael alluded to, is Speed, starring Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves. A.K.A. the bus that can't go slower. The bus that can't go slower, famously parodied by Father Ted. Um, But come here to me, this is... This is mental. I watched it also with my good lady friend, Michael. And the only thing we could say was, you'd never see this today. You'd never see There's it. no way. They would never make you, this. They would never they, make this today. That, I, I was watching it the whole time going, they would never make this today. <laughs> the villain of this movie, Michael, is a quasi-sentient twister. Yeah, the villain of this movie, I would say the real villain of this movie is hubris. But <laughs> the villain is, yeah, it, there's no villain. There's no villain other than Mother Nature. Yeah, they kind of set Carrie Hules up to be a villain. and But he's not really. The, the Dreadstorm Chaser Roberts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, yeah. the stable boy Wesley. So it, it seems to be setting up him up as a villain, but they kind of lose track of that being important or not. And really, all he's there to do is learn a lesson. Sure, it's a terrible way to learn a lesson, yeah, yeah. Michael, but we'll get into that in a second. Spoilers in a second, ladies and gentlemen. It, it, Glenn Powell has to be his son in the in the sequel. He does, doesn't he? He yeah. has to he be. He has to be, yeah. He has to be. If he isn't, I'll be fucking raging. My, one of my favourite things about it is that Carrie Yields is doing a southern accent for this, and he does it pretty well. But at one point it, he's being yeah. smug and he briefly forgets. <laughs> that he's not a yeah. British man. And he goes back to being a British man and goes, Oh, well, you're calling me for a bit of advice, are you? Yeah, it's very strange. He couldn't help it. The smugness came out of him and he just reverted okay, to Okay, so Benjamin, look, couldn't, couldn't let's get a little bit more into the technical details before we get on, right? So 1996, okay, on. Based, on, uh, based on a screenplay by cinematic screenwriting legends, Michael Crichton and Anne-Marie Martin, Benjamin. Michael Crichton did Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park, Benjamin. Produced by Kathleen Kennedy and Steven Spielberg. Unreal. Before the internet turned on them. And starring, broadly speaking, a cast of A-listers, not including Hollywood B-lister Kevin Hart. So, Helen Hunt is in it. Yes, Helen Helen Hunt. Hunt, She went to the same naming school as Van Rachel would. Very um, good. Helen Hunt is in it, and Bill or Paxman or Pullman. Uh, yeah, Bill Paxton, unfortunately, gone too soon, Michael. But there's more, Michael. Philip Seymour Hoffman's Philip in this. Philip Seymour Hoffman is in this. And he's never identified as a stoner, but he plays the stoner character. And it's so weird seeing serious actor, and also gone too soon, Philip Seymour Hoffman, playing the stoner assistant character. And he does it so well. Very, very well. It also, it, it has a kind of who's who of, oh, look who it is. Yeah, it's Alan Rook, Michael. That's who you were. That's exactly what we said. It's, oh, it's the guy from Ferris Bueller's Ferris Day Off. Bueller's it's Cam. Day Off is here. <laughs> look, it's the porter from ER. Yeah, they're, they're all over the place, Michael. Now, I have done a disservice to Alan Rook there. He's also a major character in Succession, which has been yeah, huge. Yeah. Um, but I'll always think of him as Cam from yeah, Ferris yeah, yeah. Day Off, Michael. I can't Benjamin, it even has the scary cowboy man from Twin Peaks. Yeah, whose name escapes me and I'm looking for Not him here. Twin Peaks, was it? It was Mulholland Drive. Is it Scott Thompson? I can't remember who he is. Okay. Anyway, 
scary guy from that. Patrick Fischler's in it, Michael. Noted character actor Patrick Fischler. Look him up, ladies and gentlemen. He'll be, if we turn this into a reel, you'll be seeing him as we speak. Jeremy Davies is there as well. And, Michael, noted bad egg. Go on. Emil Hirsch, he's in there. Is he? No, he's not. Uh, It's Jeremy Davies. Um, but I did at the time go oh, that's Emile Hirsch and then I was like no Emile Hirsch was probably about six yeah when um, this came out when this came and, out yeah and you know what so Bill Paxman and and um, Jennifer Jen, Jennifer Hunt Helen Hunt Helen Hunt Helen Hunt as she's um, a little bit age inappropriate but not massively yeah um, yeah he's like 40 and she's about 33 that's I was, fine I was a little bit surprised that Helen Hunt was only 33 in this. Because 33-year-olds in the 90s do not look like 33-year-olds now. No, they certainly don't, Michael. They very much do not. Helen Hunt is allowed to be a natural-looking woman in this. And you would never be allowed to do that with a character these days. This is the last film where they allowed that, Michael. First film on DVD, <laughs> and they went, oh, no, high definition, oh, no. Oh, no, you can um, see her face wrinkles. No yeah, one has no. Hollywood teeth. No one has Hollywood teeth, Michael. They've all got their own natural pearls. Everyone's teeth are a little bit yellow and crooked, like real people. Very strange. Very, very strange. And Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton's characters in this, it's fucking fabulous. Because they're a man and a woman. They have a romantic history together, but it doesn't entirely define them. And they're about equally competent with slightly different skill sets. Yeah, the Grant. She's not absolutely pining and foolish for him. He's not an idiotic man-child who gets in the way or pines after her the whole time. It's incredible. I think one of the other fascinating things that happens for Helen Hunt's character, Michael, in this is she's given some flaws of her own. She is the manically obsessed scientist who wants to solve this problem even though it's probably going to get her killed which is traditionally a male science arc it's, it's the reed richards kind of god damn it can you step away from your experiment for one second and see what's right in front of you helen hunt is the main character in this she is she absolutely is she's yeah. 100 bill paxton is a bizarre addition well suited great addition but he's not the main character absolutely not the main character this is helen hunt's character's story like it's about them as a couple i suppose but yeah from that from that opening scene michael it, it helen hunt is the little girl who loses her dipshit father just <laughs> fucking get into the shelter with the rest of them you fucking dipshit so spoilers for this film ladies and gentlemen um it it opens on a twister about to lift a home out of it mm. somewhere in america yeah and Everybody gets to the shelter, except for the fucking dog. And we'll get to that in a second, Michael. That family runs out of that house, and not one of them picked up the dog. The the dog was on the bed with Helen Hunt, with baby Helen Hunt. Looking back sad. Pick up the dog. Pick him up. I I nearly switched it off, Michael. There are two instances of dog jeopardy in this film. Yeah, yeah. Very upset. And both times... Maybe nearly switch it off. Very upsetting. There's a little bit of horse jeopardy as well. There's, there's a, and a lot of cow jeopardy, but we'll get into it, right? We'll get into it. Yeah. So, Helen Hunter loses her father because he tells everybody else, get to the back of the shelter yeah. and don't come out. And then decides to hold the door. And go, hold the door. Hold the door. Never hold the door in a tornado. No. Back up to the bottom of the room. Lock the door. As best you can, and then get out of the way. No, he pulls a Kevin Costner in Superman (laughs) and just gets lifted out of it in the most unnecessary death since Kevin Costner in Superman. This was actually before Kevin Costner in Superman. So, but the most unnecessary death since and before. (laughs) It's so strange. Anyway, this this is the fuel. For Joe, Dr. Joe Harding's career, Michael, she she catapults herself then into the world of storm chasing. My my favourite thing in this, Michael, is the depiction of storm tracers. They're mental. Absolute mental. In this film. They're all Mountain Dew slugging well, well, thrill junkies. Here's the thing, right? First of all, <laughs> yes and no. Because they're presented as like this ragtag bunch of 
crazy storm chasers, which I absolutely love. I love the fact that they're all listening to different music, playing it out of their cars. They all have different jobs, some more clearly defined than the others. I love their ragtag bunch of vehicles that they have. Oh, great. That yellow Jeep, Michael. I've never lusted after a car so much the in my life. The yellow Jeep, the the red Dodge Ram, which obviously cost a lot of oh. money. The the Winnebago, the like school bus, just this Phenomenal. cavalcade, the station wagon, this cavalcade of weird cars with different spinny around things on them. It's great, Magic. fabulous, just cruising through the weird American countryside. But then by comparison... You have the actual scientists who yes. are cool and calm and collected and organized. And obviously they get their comeuppance because they don't have the power of being the tornado whisperer. My my favorite thing about this, Michael, is it's it's definitely pre, pre-late stage capitalism because they're the villains because they get paid to do this. Yeah. Oh, you scum. Yeah. Oh, you scum, Dreadstorm Chaser Roberts. How dare you get paid to do science? They're in it for the money, <laughs> not the science. Not the science, says Bill Paxton, as he's charging along with his ragtag Lost Boys collection of fucking... <laughs> they set up this phenomenal dynamic of cold corporate scientists yeah. versus homespun, home-cooking, all-American Guns. Gonzo science. It's, 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 it's fucking great. And what I really enjoy about it is it's that's that's the lesson. That's the hubris. The hubris is do science properly. Yeah, fucking we'll final destination. Yeah, we will we will we um, as soon as yeah, look will at we you. fuck do science properly. We're gonzo science. It's we're gonzo scientists. Absolutely brilliant. Ben. Yeah. One of the yeah. under one of the underrated performances of this movie is by the actress Jamie Gertz. <laughs> Maddie poor, poor Maddie poor fucking Maddie and look I've no sympathy for Jamie Gertz because she's one of the richest women in the world now she's fine she's grand she married a billionaire and she's absolutely she's, she's doing grand. great but Ben her performance in this she's obviously the audience surrogate for the first half of the movie she's the person yes. that they can scream exposition at which is great yeah Um, but her performance when she's survived... First of all, she does terrified better than any of the rest of them. She's great. And she, do, she just looks absolutely scared shitless. Now, given Jan de Bont's history of injuring crew and cast members and himself, she probably yes. was genuinely terrified. Just yeah. shitting herself at Jan all Jan de Bont is a yes. fucking loose unit. Oh, absolute he? loose unit. He got his... He nearly got his... He got the skin of his head ripped off by a lion. Oh, good man, Jan. Absolute mental, Jan. Okay, yeah. Like, real old school, if they die, they die type uh, cinematography. Oh, dear. Anyway, anyway, Benjamin. But the scene in which Maddie... Is her name Maddie? Her name is Maddie, Dr. Maddie Reeves. Yeah. The scene in which Maddie breaks up with (laughs) Bill Paxton or Pullman. Paxton. After realising that he's still in love with Helen Hunt. Very well acted, Michael. Best acting in this movie by a fucking mile. My heart broke for her as she explained to him why he should go and break up with her and go and chase Helen Hunt. And she listens to his responses. And that woman puts on a masterclass of reacting with acting not just words watch that scene again and her face and her micro reactions and everything it's an incredible bit of work magic and here's the worst thing about it she won the 1996 equivalent of the Razzies for that performance ah fuck off that's wrong it is wrong and it's because she plays that hated character of city woman in with a bunch of country people for the purposes of comedy and exposition. Yeah, she's the Hallmark villain. But um, she doesn't actually do anything. She never becomes a baddie. She never She doesn't do anything it. bad. She doesn't try to nope. get between Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton. She literally lets him go. Yeah. She loves she something and lets like, it essentially. Yeah, she loves something and lets it go. The the thing I find most interesting about the setup, Michael, I think to that phenomenal bit of acting is she doesn't know the man she's engaged to. 
No, clearly. Because at one point she delivers my favourite line of this, which is, I thought you were chasing twisters as a metaphor. And I was <laughs> like, what do you mean? What yeah, What yeah, do you no. mean? Do you, how did you not realise this? Also, when she's like, oh, you really love chasing these storms. How did Bill Paxton not share his greatest passion in life with his fiance? Because he's a weatherman now. He's a ah. boring man. Ah, get out of here. Get out of here. He's a boring weatherman, Ben. He's a boring ben. weatherman, but he never lost a thirst for twisters. He never lost a thirst for twisters. There's a great scene where they have dinner with Aunt Meg. <laughs> with Aunt Meg. May. Aunt May. Is it May? No, it's She's Meg. May. Is it Meg? Yeah, it's Aunt Meg. Okay. In Wichita, Kansas or whatever. You're right, it is Aunt Meg. Yeah, I know. I saw it yesterday. And, saw it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I've only seen Twister once before, and I saw it in 1996. Oh, yeah. And... The scene where they're talking about the tornadoes and the scale of destruction. Yeah. And and Dr. Maddie says, but this might be a stupid question, but what about an F5? And everybody just goes, and everyone goes quiet (laughs) and it focuses in on the one guy, the science guy. And I turned to my lovely lady friend and I said to her at the exact right moment in the exact right voice, finger of God. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what about that scene But I saw that once In 1996 And remembered that delivery Until today And that is that actor's Essentially entire contribution to that movie But what a contribution Phenomenal Phenomenal Michael This is It's so interesting Like The the twister itself Michael Yes never have about I... the twister Ben As the villain as the villain because I've never seen something so living and breathing so sentient and yet couldn't possibly be that um, right down to the fact that the twister is essentially bearing a child at one point the, like little, the little twister inside the twister <laughs> so like initially twisters behave by the rules we expect we get our initial introduction to that when bill paxton is talking to helen hunt he's brought his new fiance to meet this and we're introduced to the macguffin of dorothy mm-hmm. and dorothy is the little microbots that they want to release to collect better data seems so um, simple in 2024 on twisters i know ridiculous um and it introduces our stakes and it introduces the peril and we come to understand, Michael, that they have three chances at this. And naturally we understand, sorry, it's four chances at this. And naturally we come to understand, Michael, that as soon as those four chances are up, I don't know, twister getting. We're going to get twisters everywhere. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's no, just... Ben. But that's it. It's so low stakes. As it's soon as so those four stakes. chances are up, they have to go home. They have to go. That's it. That's all you have to do. But for Storm Chaser, that's death. Yeah. Um, come here to me. What is it? The twister becomes increasingly sentient and vindictive as the film comes on. It also becomes a sneakier twister as right, the film okay. comes on. First of all, then, these are different twisters. I know. I'm, I'm going to call you out on that. Yeah, because it's essentially the same thing. I'm, I'm sure you've read the same thing as me, but in the first draft of this, it was a single twister. <laughs> It was a single day and a half long twister that they essentially 24-hour twister, yeah. yeah. Um, but they, they said, no, we better make this scientifically accurate or people are going to come at us on the internet in 35 years. But the interesting part about that is, Michael, they... Oh, sorry, I hit my mic again. Stop hitting your mic. The, the interesting thing about that, Michael, is they throw it away because the first two times they encounter it, F1 and F2, mm. is... When they are, and they, they, all the instruments go off and they know what direction they have to go in and they are aware that a twister is approaching and then we get uh, Bill Paxman's storm whisperer where he goes, and he touches a bit of dirt and he goes, yeah. that way, that way. Um, twister's that way. But then my favourite part, Michael, is they're at the cinema and the twister sneaks up on them all. That's the danger of twisters, a- Ben. <laughs> That's the danger. That's how they get you. That's how they catch you. But my favourite part, Michael, is that the twister then goes to take revenge on Aunt Meg. Yep. And rightly so. <laughs> and that's where we got our second instance of dog jeopardy. Very dog jeopardy. Shouldn't have and I it. won't have it. Shouldn't be allowed. It's not okay. Shouldn't be allowed. Stop it, Hollywood. Benjamin, stop it. The, the the big spectacular finale of this is an incredible bit of cinematography. So the, the, the F5 twister. The finger of God. 
the finger of God. Um, picks up a, a farming town, basically, and dumps it on the ground in front of them. Yeah. And I was telling people uh, in work today that I watched Twister last night. And the kind of common question was, how does the CG hold up? And very goddamn well, mostly because good. there's not much CG in this. Pretty damn good. No, Jan de Bont had everyone out in a big fucking hurricane. <laughs> no, no. So the hurricanes are, the, the, the tornadoes are obviously fake. We're going to get yes. asked, Ben, if we say hurricane. Because it's, oh, it's sorry. not a hurricane, it's sorry a tornado. Sorry for the storm chasers. Um, mm. But um, I know the difference. I don't know that Ben does. But look, we only have about 10 minutes left, so we're not going to get into it. Um, the, the tornado ones go spinny. The twister ones go spinny and the hurricane ones are everywhere. Oh, pretty much, yeah. Um, yeah. So nailed it. The the thing, the whole the kind of the climactic scene is it picks up a, a town and yeah. dumps it on the road in front of them again. Borderline it does, sentient. Yeah, but um, they did that by Jan de Bont, noted lunatic Jan de Bont. Ben, he had farm machinery made of aluminium, mm. lifted up in the air on military helicopters and dropped in front of them. Fuck! Isn't that crazy? They bought a town for the Aunt Meg they destruction scene. They bought a town, Ben, and wrecked it. They wrecked it. They bought a town, they built 30 extra units, and then they wrecked the whole thing. And at the end, to say thank you to the people who still lived in the town, they donated a fire truck to them and said, there you go, that's, that's tourism. tourism. Um, I was watching, again, I was watching this with my lovely lady. Oh, sorry. Anyway, my whole point was, that's why the special effects in this hold up so well. Yeah, because it's just Jan de Bont dropping it's Jan things. Jan de Bont dropping things dangerously close to mm. terrified Hollywood actors. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, go on. I was watching this with my lovely lady friend, Benjamin. And she said to me, why do Americans not just build their house out of concrete? Ah. Uh-huh. I was like, uh-huh. that, that would probably solve it. That would probably solve a lot of it, Michael. Because everyone's house is just yeah. made of wood. Yeah, works better when you build things out of stone and cement. (laughs) Ireland, not being the most wind-averse place in the world, Michael, has been building its houses out of stone, concrete and wood for a very long time. I reckon my house would probably survive a tornado. Uh, Certainly a good chunk of mine would. Not the roof, like, the roof would probably... I couldn't say, no, the roof's fucked, but, like, the the bones of my house are probably going to be fine. Yeah, yeah, I mean, my house isn't going to roll across the road. For Bill Paxman and, and Helen yeah. Hunt to drive through in their Jeep. No, that's not going to happen. It's going to be fine. Michael, one of my one of my favourite little tidbits that I found out about this, Michael, is there are many cows thrown across our screen um, yes. in Twister, to which Helen Hunt plays a little game of, oh, cow. It was the same um, cow, It was the same cow. But my favourite bit about that is, Michael, that's, that's a zebra from Jumanji. It's repurposed animation. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just knocking around there. Um, another bit of CGI that holds up surprisingly well, Michael. I'm, I'm all for it. Now, <clears throat> eventually, Michael, my favourite thing about the climax of this film is Dorothy is successful. Yes. <laughs> and they get all that tasty data. And we get a full circle moment in that the people on the farm that Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton are on emerge from their shelter and the father is safe with his oh, daughter. Oh, and they're very similar looking. It's a very full circle moment, Michael. However, that farmer has just lost everything. Oh, his house is fine. His and house there's is a, fine, remember? It, it, oh, it is. His You're barn right. is wrecked, but his You're house right. is fine. His barn is wrecked, but there's just a group of absolutely mental storm chasers well, going, we, we did it! We did it, guys! But my, my other favourite fact about this, Michael, and it, it kind of shows you the longevity of Twister as a thing for the storm chasing community is that, unfortunately, we're not going to see a Bill Paxton cameo in Twister's, or Twister 2, Electric Boogaloo, because he passed away in 2017. But when that happened, Michael, a group of 200 storm chasers in the US got together and they formed uh, the initials BP for Bill Paxton using their geolocators and trackers. They drove to different points on a map and uh, they all activated their trackers at the same time and spelt out the initials BP on a digital satellite image. Amazing. And Bill Pullman that day said, oh, guys, thanks. You really didn't have to. <laughs> you didn't have to, lads. Uh, you didn't have to at all. But that was Twister, Michael. I had a heck of a time. I can't believe I never seen Best it. film we've seen for, for Exhumed in a long time. And, uh, yeah, I think that's possibly the best one we've ever had, Michael. I think personally Yandabont's best film 
Yander Bond has only directed five films, Ben. Speed. Minority Report's up there, though. Come on. Minority Report's a good film. Yander Bond didn't direct Minority Report. He produced what Minority did he do Report. With... Ah, you get wrecked, Yander Bond. Trying to take credit for Minority <laughs> Report. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck Great him. film. 100% recommended. I, I just can't see... I can't see the characters in the, moder- in the modern sequel not being obnoxious. It's it's we're out of the time zone, Michael. Yep. It's you can't you can't replicate. They're also not of okay. Th- this is going to get me in a little bit of trouble. Uh-oh. It's not Philip Seymour Hoffman. Go on. We're not going to get a wacky parody character with gravitas like Philip Seymour well, Hoffman. But then Philip Seymour Hoffman in nineteen ninety six wasn't Philip Seymour Hoffman either. I suppose that's a good point. You no, know, he hadn't developed into Philip Seymour Hoffman yet. Yeah, that's that's a good point. We're getting what we get in this is we're, we're getting Glenn Powell, mm. noted good-looking man, Glenn Powell. Yeah, yeah, he was in that thing with Sidney Sweeney, where it's like we're on a date, or are we? Or are we? I don't know. Um, I'd rather have a date with anyone but you. I wonder what that f- film was called. Speed, um, <laughs> Speed Six. This time it's personal. Um, but come here to me. Daisy Edgar Jones is in it as well. But I just... It's a different America. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. I can't see them not if, being obnoxious. I can't see them not being obnoxious. I can't see them not being MAGA stands-ins. I can't see them not being made fun of. I, I just... It's different. Mm. It's a different time. I, I Look... The the new one could be good. It it could be great, even. But I can't see the new one treating its own main characters as respectfully as this film treats its villains. Ah, oh, Michael, we we never talked about it. <laughs> fucking Carrie Elliot just gets fucking yeeted Absolutely by a, a stray beam because yep. of his own hubris. And it, yeah, he won't listen to Bill. Bill Paxman's fucking twister whisperer who's like no don't don't do it you can't you can't do it and then boom he just gets cleaved out of it by a Final Destination-esque I guarantee you a movie producer was watching this film in 1996 and said Jason imagine if we made a whole movie out of catastrophic super instant deaths like yeah. that that'd be good and that's how we got Final Destination Bond Probably Jan de Bond. Jan de Bond wrote a memoir called My Life Putting Actors in Peril. <laughs> and somebody said, Jesus, that's fucking terrifying. Make it into a film. Anyway, Michael, that was my most enjoyable bloody Exhumed episode Great. ever. Ladies and gentlemen, what did you think of Twister? Or what would you like to see us tackle on Exhumed next time? There are a few ways you can get in touch with us and let us know. You can find us on the interwebs at www.shomrabeug.com. S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. It means tiny room in Irish. Yeah, it does indeed. You can also find us on our other website for some reason, www.yourluxurelistenpodcast.acast.com. It's like a podcast website. It's like a podcast website where you can listen to all our stuff. Mm. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at yourluxurelistenpodcast. Yep, you can. We're yeah, out you of can jail. Find us. We're out of jail. Yeehaw! Um, you can find us on... TikTok. That's your luxury listen. That's your luxury listen. You can give us a listen over there. But ladies and gentlemen, the absolute best way to get up on there and have your intellectual property stolen outright is to click on the Discord link down below in the description. Hop up on it, Benjamin. Everyone's welcome. And there's no Patreon wall. There's no Patreon wall because we're not uh, we're not going to be speared by our own hubris at mm. some point. Um, <laughs> that's it from us for this week, ladies and gentlemen. You can join us next week where we take a look at Wolverine and Sabretooth. Why don't those two guys have such a spot? Yeah. Well, what's going on there? Chill what's out. the deal? Chill out, bro. Yeah. We're going to take a look at the comic book, TV and cinematic history of a blood feud. That's all tooth and claw. Very good. That's what the episode will be called. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Bye. Bye.